right, guys, what I'd like you to do right now is I'd like you to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 8. We're going to focus on verse 37 through 47, John chapter 8. Now, again, we're in that section of John where the focus is on the opposition that Jesus is facing. Now, that that would blow your mind, especially if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, when you understand his heart, when you understand what Jesus is doing, what he's teaching, who he's pointing to. Like, why would anybody be upset with him? Why would anybody, as we're going to see, want to kill him? I mean, he's flat out pointing out to them that they want to kill him. In fact, in chapter 7, we see they want to grab him, but they can't. We're going to see that in chapter 8 as we get next week, as we get to the end. They're going to try and get him, but they can't. It's not his time yet. Why would they do that? Why why would they be so offended at him? It's called unbelief. They don't believe. They don't believe who he is. They don't believe what he says. They don't believe. And he's pointing that out. And and actually, in chapter 8, after we get with the... We move past that ancient story of the woman caught in adultery. We get to Jesus' discussion about them and their hearts. It kind of reveals to us the nature of belief. What does it mean to believe? And what does it mean not to believe? And, and I pointed out to you last week when we talked about this, is that's something we get confused about. We think that people who just say that Jesus is the Son of God or even agree that Jesus died on the cross, they're okay. But Jesus is actually going to point out here that, no, it's actually a little bit more to it than that. In fact, what Jesus is going to say is something that James would say later. James, what do you mean, James? Well, if you, you don't need to turn there. I'll turn there real quick. James talks about the issue of faith and people and their belief and how do you know where they're at when he says, here's what he says, verse 20 of chapter 2. And it kind of fits with what Jesus is going to say here today. But do you know, do you want to know, O foolish man, what faith, that faith without works is dead? Was it not Abraham, her father, justified by works when he offered Isaac, his son, to the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works and by works faith was made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God and was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see then that a man is justified by his works, not by faith alone. All right, let me just stop. He's saying here that he's not saying that you get salvation by your works, but that your faith expresses itself in works. Okay, here it's going. Likewise, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? For the body without spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. Now that's what James says. Yeah, but what does Jesus say? Well, that's where we go back to John chapter 8. And you're going to be amazed at what Jesus says because he's going to talk about the reality of what belief is. And belief is more than just saying, 
I believe in Jesus. Because there's a lot of people who say that. Jesus is actually going to point out to you that it's something so much more. Now, let me help you to understand why he's saying this. Because let's remember who he's talking to. He's not talking to Gentiles. Okay, we're Gentiles. He's talking to Jews. And in their mind, as Jews, they thought they were okay. Why? Because they were the children of Abraham. They had the law. And from their birth, a few days after their birth, they were circumcised. They were children of the covenant. And because they were children of the covenant, guess what? They thought they were what? Okay. But here comes Jesus. He's already said to them earlier, you're going to die in your sins because you don't believe in me. That would be shocking. Because they're thinking, well, that has nothing to do with my standing and, and me being a child of the promise. But he points out that faith is something so much more. It, it exhibits itself. Well, let's take a look. We're going to look at it today in verses 37 to 47. Let's take a look at what he says here to them. And again, they're going to have a real hard time with what he says, and it's very possible that you might. Okay, so let's take a look here at what he says. Verse 37. Jesus said this, I know that you are Abraham's descendants, but you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. I speak what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have seen with your father. They answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to him, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth, which I hear from God. Abraham did not do this. You do the deeds of your father. They said to him, we are not born of fornication. We have one father, God. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would have loved me. For I proceed forth and came from God, nor have I come of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Because you are not able to listen to my word. You are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and a father of it. Because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which of you convicts me of sin? I tell you the truth. Why do you not believe me? He who is of God hears God's words. Therefore, you do not hear because you're not of God. All right, so what we're going to do is we're going to take these verses and we're going to divide them into two sections. Jesus is going to, first of all, reveal their hearts. Okay, we're going to see the heart revealed. He's going to reveal where they're really at. Okay, where they're really at. And then we're going to talk about a spiritual disposition. 
a spiritual disposition of where people are really at, and you and I need to recognize that. So let's talk about a heart reveal. The first thing we're going to notice is in verses 37 to 38. Look at what he says there. I know you are Abraham's descendants, but you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. I speak what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have seen with your father. Okay, so here they are. Here's what they're saying. They're resting on their spiritual heritage. People still do that today. How do you know you're okay? Well, you know, I go to church. My grandmama or my great-grandmother or my great-great-great or my mom took me there and and we claim other things. We, we rest in some sort of spiritual heritage. That's what they're doing. They're resting in. We are the children of Abraham. He's our father. Well, here's what Jesus is going to say. He says to them, well, you know what? If you're the children of Abraham, why are you trying to kill me? Because Abraham wouldn't have done that. He would have known who I was because he was looking for him. So here, here's the point I want you to see. Actions communicate more than spiritual claims. Actions communicate more than spiritual claims. Now let me just stop for a moment so that nobody misunderstands me here this morning. Salvation is by faith. Does everybody agree with that statement? Hopefully you do, because that is the truth. Salvation is by faith. You cannot do anything to gain salvation. Why? You're corrupt. There is no way your good stuff's going to outweigh your bad stuff. Bottom line. Somebody else had to pay the price for you. Who was that? Jesus Christ. He did that on the cross. Took upon your sin, my sin, all sin, upon himself, died on the cross, satisfied the wrath of God, and then he offers that salvation to you and I that we take by what? Faith in him. Faith that he paid it for us. We believe in him. We trust him. Now, but here's the point. You don't do anything for salvation. However, salvation truly happens in your life, change happens. Now, it's not like immediate change, but God changes you so that now that salvation is lived out of your life through actions. So here comes Jesus, and he says, you say you're Abraham's children? Wow, look at what you're wanting to do. You're wanting to kill me. Your actions speak louder than your claims. Here's another way of saying it. Talk is cheap. Talk is cheap. And I think if we all understand it, I think, you know, as we go about life, we meet lots of people who say that they believe, but then when you look at what they do, there's some kind of disconnect. The two don't equal. Now you say, well, George, I thought you said change doesn't happen immediately. No, but what happens, though, is, is that as you get to know that person, you see their heart because here's the thing. You can't hide who you are. And if the heart is transformed, it's going to come out. 
and you will be known. Isn't that what Jesus said? You'll be known by your fruits. Every good tree bears what? Good fruit. Every bad tree, Jesus would say in the Gospels, bears what? Bad fruit. You can't get bad fruit from a good tree. That's the reality. Actions communicate more than spiritual claims. Here's the second thing. Look with me at verse 39. He's going to talk about the heart revealed. He's talking about where these folks are at. Verse 39, they answered him and said to him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. Look, if you really are who you say you are, then you would be showing it with your life. Here's the second point I want you to see. If the claims were true, it would be reflected in one's actions. Now, let me just bring this down so that everybody understands. Okay. We, through whatever means, through the centuries, have come to a place, even today, where we categorize sin. And so when we look at sin, and I remember when I first got saved and I went to a little bitty independent Baptist church in West Columbia, South Carolina, and uh, there, there was this sense in which there were these big sins, so you got saved, and so God saved you out of alcohol or drugs, or whatever. And, and then we would look at people and say, okay, have they turned away from that? And we would say, oh, they're saved because they walked away from these big sins. Well, as a young man who didn't know anything, I'd be like, yeah, that's, that's right, you know, and then you hear somebody falls back into it. Now, I'm a little bit older, a little bit wiser, and I've worked with people now to know that there's something called addictions. Does everybody know what an addiction is? There is addiction to those big things, but there's also addiction to other things, like what? Food and other things. And does everybody know how hard it is to break an addiction? It's pretty tough, isn't it? Have you tried it? I'm sure all of us have because we all have addictions of some type. I don't have an addiction. Yes, you do. We all do. It's just that some of our addictions are more acceptable than others. And, and, the, and the reality is, is that here's the thing. When God changes you, he works on you. So when I meet people and they may be perfect and 20 years in the church and they know a lot of Bible, but they got a problem with gossip where they're tearing, tearing down people, that's not being consistent with who they are as a believer. And in reality, that's just as bad as somebody who keeps falling off the wagon back into the bottle. That's what God would say. I remember in the first church, we had a lady, and she had that problem, and I, I met her pastor who knew her 
30 years before. So he was a retired pastor. And I'd say, oh, well, I have, I have so-and-so in my church. Oh, yeah, she is such a wonderful lady. And, and I'm a young pastor, and she was not a wonderful lady. And I said, uh, well, she, she, she maybe has changed. What do you mean? Um, she kind of has loose lips about people. I was trying to put it in a polite way without saying she's a gossip. And he looked at me and said, oh yeah, that's her personality quirk. Personality quirk? That's sin. But somehow we've come to the place where some things are okay and some aren't. But here's the reality. What did that reflect? See, if your claims are true, Jesus is saying, if you say you are the children of Abraham, why are you trying to kill me? You would do the things that Abraham is doing and did. Living out his faith. Now, let me just stop for a moment so everybody understands. When you look at Abraham's life, he's not perfect. How would you like to be his wife? When you read real quick, you realize he's not perfect, but somehow God still showed grace to him. Why? He lived out his life out of his faith. That's the issue. You don't have to be perfect, but what comes out of your life? Living by faith and God changes you. This is the point that Jesus is getting to here. So finally, he reveals this in verse 40. Look with me at verse 40 because we're talking about the heart revealed. Here's what he says. But now you seek to kill me, a man who told you the truth, which I heard from God. Abraham did not do this. Here's what he's saying here. The rejection of God reveals one's heart's condition. When people refuse to do what God tells them to do, that's revealing where your heart is. That's the nature of where belief is. He's revealing who you are. Now, with that, he's going to delve into the whole issue of spiritual disposition. He's going to talk about where you and I are at spiritually. He's going to talk about a spiritual disposition. Each one of us has one here. Each one of us has a disposition somewhere spiritually. It's either towards God or somewhere else. And if you interact with a person enough, you realize where they're really at. And that's what he's going to talk about here. So I want you to notice with me verse 41. Here's what they do, okay? You do the deeds of your father. Then they said to him, we are not born of fornication. We have one father, God. Okay, so they're trying. Here's what they're doing. They're seeking to justify themselves. So here's what happens. If you were to go to somebody who's got this spiritual disposition in the wrong place, they think they're okay. Well, I believe in Jesus. And you go talk to them and say, look, what you're doing, how you're treating that person what you're doing with how you are at work and you're not being honest or whatever, you're stealing from your boss or, or what you're doing in all these other areas is not reflective of your testimony 
is reflecting something else. If you were to go to them, what they would do is, well, I know when I got saved. Yeah, okay, great. We all know, but back then you prayed a prayer, but look at who you are right now. There's something different there. How can you say that, George? Galatians chapter 5. What about Galatians 5? When you accept Jesus, who enters into your heart, folks? The Holy Spirit. What does the Holy Spirit do? Well, yes, he seals you to the day of redemption. He, he guarantees that you're going to be with him. But here's what else he does. He does a work. And what does he produce in your life? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, patience, kindness, gentleness. He changes who you are. He changes who you are. He's doing a work. In fact, Paul talks about that, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it. Here's the reality. You and I are all works in progress. We're all works in progress. Now, I know in our area, it's not a good thing to say, well, you're a piece of work. Right? It's not a good thing to say, right? But the reality is, we are. We are the work that God is doing. But here's the problem. Their rejection of God and what he wants them to do is reflecting what? Their spiritual disposition where their heart is. That's what's being reflected here. here here's the second thing. They thought to justify themselves. Here's the other thing. True spirituality recognizes Jesus and his words. True spirituality recognizes Jesus and his words. Forget that word and. I, I must have not had a good tea that morning when I wrote that. True spirituality recognizes Jesus. So look with me at verse 42. Here's what he says. Jesus said, if you, if God were your father, you would love me. For I proceed forth and came from God nor have I come of myself, but he sent me. All right, so what's going on here? What does he mean? True spirituality recognizes Jesus and its words. Okay, so let's stop for a moment. I want you to think with me for a moment, the moment Jesus entered into your life. What do you mean Jesus entered into my life? I want you to think about the moment when you came to the conclusion of who he is. How did that happen? Well, you know, my grandmother prayed with me or my mom prayed with me. Okay, wonderful. Or for me, it was, you know, hearing a presentation of the gospel and seeing the life of others around me that were, were living a life and being attracted to who Jesus was, reading the gospel of John and, and realizing who he was. I want you to think about that for a moment because that's not true for everybody else, is it? That's not true for everybody else because not everybody else is just meeting Jesus and like, oh, wow. Can I tell you why that happened? Because there was a bent in your life to find God. 
And because you were desiring at some point to know something about him, when Jesus is the one who finally shows up and you're like, wow, it's Jesus. You were immediately attracted to him. And you gave your life to him. See, true spirituality recognizes. He says, if you were, if God was your father, you would what? Love me. And that's what you did. You embraced him. And you came to him. Here's the other thing. He points out verse 43. He talks about why they're not understanding. All right, haven't you been confused by that? Have you not been confused by people that you share with and it's like whoosh, whoosh, over their heads? They're not comprehending anything you're saying about God. They're not even seeing it. Have you not been confused by that? Have you not been like, what is going on here? I have for years. I have with loved ones. I have with people that I interact with. I have with people like they're like, oh, I don't really want to have time for that. I remember when I was in the military talking with guys and I said, oh, that's, that's works for you, George. It doesn't work for me. Why? Why can't they see it? Here's what he says. Look with me. Verse 43. He says this. Why do you not understand my speech? Here's what he said. Because you're not able to listen to my word. The whole reason why they don't understand is because they're not able to listen. So here's the point. They have no understanding because they could not spiritually hear. Paul, if you go back over to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, he tells you exactly why they can't hear. He, he, in chapter 4, the beginning of chapter 4, is, is, is answering an accusation. Well, you guys are keeping your salvation message hidden from people. If they, if they had it out in the open, they would believe. And, and Paul says, no, no, no. Our, if our gospel is veiled, it's not. It's because they're blind. They can't see what's obvious in front of them. Why? The God of this world has blinded their eyes. There's something spiritual going on. And they're in their unbelief. They've chosen not to believe. And, and guess what? They're not going to see it. So this is the thing. They're, they had no understanding because they could not spiritually hear. But then that brings us to the next point. Look at verse 44 and 45 when he talks about a spiritual disposition. You are of your father, the devil. And the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and a father of it. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Here's what I want you to see. Their actions reflect their spiritual disposition and unbelief. Okay, so let me just tell you something. So the next time you share the gospel with somebody and they're like, oh, are you done? Can we talk about what we were supposed to talk about? The Steelers and who's going to be the new quarterback? 
Can we leave the Jesus thing aside? I used to be, when I got that kind of reaction, I'd be like, oh. I'd be hurt. I'd be like, are you, are you kidding me? This is important. I've grown to realize now, like from a passage like we just read, that I don't need to be offended. Why? Because they can't see it. Because they don't want to believe. They don't want to believe. That's their disposition. So what do I do? Pray for them. How? God, open their eyes. They're blind. The God of this world has blinded their eyes, opened their eyes. And what do I do? I keep trying to share another time when I can. But then I'm not shocked if they what? Reject me. Did you understand if they reject me? And then finally, here's what he says. Okay, he, he, he brings it back around, and so he talks about what true belief is and what unbelief is. Okay, he talks about what true belief is and unbelief. Okay, because we're talking about the nature of belief. And we see it here in verse 46 and 47. Here's what he says. Which of you convicts me of sin? I tell you the truth. Why do you not believe me? He who is of God hears God's words. Therefore, you do not hear because you're not of God. All right, so here it is. True belief hears God. True belief hears God. While unbelief cannot. True belief hears God. Okay. So, if you're a believer here, I know that at some point in your life, and it may be even true with you right now, you would say, I'd like to hear from God. I'd like to know what he wants for my life. I'd like to know what he, how he wants me to handle this situation. I've been asking him, give me wisdom. I would like to know this. I, I want to hear from him. Can I tell you that desire to hear from him is from God. And so here's the promise. If you are believing and you know him, you will hear from him. He will eventually communicate to you. Primarily through what? His word. How else? Through other believers around you. He will speak to you. But if you're not interested in God, it really doesn't matter. You don't, you're not interested, you're not listening. So therefore, unbelief can't hear. Okay, so George, where do we go with this? This is the second part of the nature of unbelief. What does this have to do with myself? What does this have to do with you? Okay. Well, let's just sum it up. Talk is cheap. If you are who you say you are, a believer in Jesus Christ, you really need to examine your, your heart and where you're at. I'm not saying that you will be perfect now. 
First of all, perfection comes with dying. Because remember, you're a work in progress. But here's what you will notice about you. Your disposition of who you are changes. Because now, you want to do what God would have you to do. And you begin to see his spirit working in your life and changing you. So I'll give you an example. Okay, so George came to faith in April of 1985. So this is 2022. So this, that's 37 years ago, okay? So it's, it's really interesting to me. So when I came to faith, I was a partier. So I smoked, I drank, I had a foul mouth, okay? So those were the obvious things. Like if you, I mean, I was just a jerk. The guy who befriended me, I, we're in engineering and, and calculus class, okay? So I come in, and it was an 8 o'clock in the morning class. I didn't want to be there anyhow. So I'm propping my feet up in this dude's chair. And he'd come in. His name was Ray. He lives in Virginia now, and... He'd come in and say, hey, that's my chair. And I'd say, oh, excuse me. And well, anyhow, he befriended me and brought me to a Bible study. And when I got saved, guess what? I gave up the drinking. My filthy mouth stopped. The smoking took a year. Actually, it took three years. Physically stopping took a year. Mentally giving it up took three years. And you say, okay, I should be fine now. No, because it's 37 years later. And while the filthy mouth, the smoking, and the drinking are long gone, he's still working on my attitudes. He's still working on me about how I treat people. He's still working on me about my reactions. I'm a work in progress. Now, here's the thing. The things he's working on with me about, they were true then. It's just that some things take a lot longer to what? Work on, right? But here's what I'm saying. The fact, the evidence is that I would reflect my belief in responding to him and trying to change. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's reflected in my action. Now, if I was the same dude now, 37 years ago, that I was then, then you could say, you're not saved. Because nothing changed with you. You just believed some belief, but it didn't affect who you were. That's what Jesus is saying. Because here's these Jews. We're children of Abraham. Get them! That's not belief. Let me pray for you.